Well, I know that today, uh, for our honoring our 16th year being here, I know that uh, our team had a, a speaker that they had wanted to have come speak to honor Pastor Brennan and me and minister to you at the same time. Well, I don't know, I haven't even watched the weather here lately. Just so happens that our speaker we were having lives in the Dallas, uh, Texas area. And I mean, you know what happens. One snowflake falls in the Dallas, Texas guys. They're just not like us Michiganders. We're tough, you know. They emptied the shelves at the stores. They went, no, but they really had some serious, serious inclement weather. Just shut down airline flights and everything. And as a result of that, uh, our guest speaker unable to be a part of today because we had to start making plans and we saw what was happening with the weather. But I want to tell you something. We have, first of all, one of the most outstanding, and I love when you honor them, the most amazing, outstanding pastoral team. I'm going to tell you, I'm just, I, Brenda and I, are, we just can't believe God would bless us with this amazing pastoral team. But there's another group of people within that pastoral team that serve beside me. You may have seen it around here. Sometimes they're referred to as the ELT. They're the executive leadership team. And that executive leadership team, when they heard that, they said, Pastor, we got it covered. And the executive leadership team said, we want to share from our hearts the word of God, not just to honor Jesus and you, but to minister to God's people. Now, how many think that's a pretty amazing executive leadership team, instant, in season and out, ready with the word? I said, okay. I said, I think that sounds awesome. And uh, we, we, just, we just have an incredible team. And I want to also announce something to you before they're going to come up and minister in just a moment. But we have expanded the executive leadership team. First of it consists of me as your lead pastor and then Pastor Doug Tuttle, our CFO, and also our, our church ministries pastor, Pastor Tim Ryder. But uh, after we've just been looking at this for a couple of years and just asking God for his timing and how he wants to do it and just kept processing it with the other leaders, I want you to know that we've expanded our executive leadership team and we have now added another pastor to that executive leadership team. And uh, that pastor has just exceptional in everything he does, his processing, everything that he does. But I'm going to tell you, uh, Pastor Drew McElhaney is now one of our executive pastors on the executive leadership team. And I wanted you to know that. And he is executive pastor over worship and creative arts. And so there are three departments that he oversees. But I'm going to tell you something. We are so grateful on our team to have him added to it. So now what I'm trying to tell you is there's just not going to be two points because I'm preaching. There's going to be three points because Pastor Drew is going to join this team. And I want to just say this before Pastor Tim comes. He's going to start out. It's going to be a little tag team. It's kind of like a wrestling match or something. I don't, I don't know. They're tag team each other. It's going to be interesting and you're going to be ministered to by it. I promise you. Uh, they were telling me, kind of processing with me what they're going to be talking about. And so you're going to be blessed by it. But I want to just say this about, about them specifically. Uh, it's that group that helps me process a lot of things and then with the board and the rest of the pastors. But this group here really helps me dial in. And they are, they are like the Joshua and Caleb's to me. They really are. They are like the Aaron and the Her that hold my hands up. And uh, we spend a lot of time talking and asking, talking vision, leading from the Holy Spirit. And what I love about these Joshua and Caleb's that you're going to hear in just a moment 
is they're the ones that'll go in and spy out the land. They don't let me live deluded as a pastor because some pastors like to live deluded because they always need to be felt how wonderful a hero they are. They tell me where the giants are. They tell me where the pitfalls are. But they also tell me, Pastor, we are well able to overcome them. And um, they're also the kind of people that uh, will fight battles for you when you're war weary. And I want you to know that. They're not just the kind that uh, go in and they take territory for the kingdom of God and they've helped us take territory as a church. And this executive team has helped me process a lot of that. And uh, tell you what else they do. They don't care, they just keep telling you, Pastor, let me take that mountain. There are some people that are plug and play. They only do what they're paid to do. But then there are people that will go in and say, I see a mountain that hadn't been taken. They're like a Caleb say, let's take that mountain. And that's the kind of folks, not just in Pastor Brendan me, that's the kind of folks you have leading in your pastoral team, the diaconate, the eldership, and even more specifically those that serve me on the executive leadership team. So today, as you get ready to hear from them, you're hearing from some great men of God today. So we're gonna welcome all three of them right now, but Pastor Tim is gonna be the one that's gonna come swinging out of the chute. So would you give God praise for these three pastors and welcome Pastor Tim. All right, brother, I'm leaving it in your hands. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, y'all. Can have a seat unless, unless you want to give that all to Jesus. Amen? Let's do that. Let's give it to Jesus. Your praise, your honor, your glory. Mm. God, you are so good. Thank you so much. Have a seat. Oh, I told you that the honor is, uh, it's a God thing. And it's also, it, it's from our pastors. Pastor, thank you so much uh, for honoring us and the honor of really even being able to stand up here uh, this morning and to deliver the word. And that is our prayer. You know, we're here, we're celebrating our leaders, um, just to, again, that gift but really what it brings us into a focus on this morning is leadership. And I will say this, you know, I, I said it earlier and sorry that I messed it up because I actually absolutely mean it. You know, it's not just because of what our pastors do. You saw video clips of what they do, what they do, but because of who they are motivates what they do. And here's the thing though, they don't do it so that we can all sit and watch them do it. Amen? They don't lead us so that we can just watch them lead. We are invited to join them in the work of the ministry in fulfilling the mission of Grand Rapids First, which is to bring people to Christ and equip them to be like him. So this is not a spectator sport moment. So as we're honoring our leaders and, and pastor has just honored again the, the team, the elders, the deacons, the pastors. We are blessed. But I want to let you all know in this room today, you are leaders as well. And so this message isn't just to leaders or leadership because we're talking about leaders this morning. This is to every single one of us in this room. And what a great example, you know, pastor was talking about Ben and her who, who came alongside, Aaron and her, <laughs> who came alongside of Moses and held his arms up during the battle. And Moses is just a great example of leadership. Um, 
But before I share that really quick, uh, just a thought from John Maxwell, because you might try to disqualify yourself as being a leader, but John Maxwell wrote this. He said that sociologists tell us that even the shyest introvert will influence 10,000 people over the course of their lifetime. We have no idea the impact, the influence that we have on others, but I can tell you this, it's profound because people are watching you, they are watching me. So never discount yourself from being a leader, amen? You're in this with us. All right, here's our text today. We're reflecting on the life of Moses and his leadership. Hebrews 11, 23 through 26. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So the executive pastoral preaching tag team this morning is going to unpack this a little bit, um, just about the very beginning of Moses' life. But then Moses comes to this crossroads that he faces, and he has a choice to live, but ultimately how he was looking forward to a greater reward. And so as we come this morning, we want to bring those three points Pastor talked about. I am going to start with number one, and that is the seed in the leader. Uh, Hebrews eleven twenty three again. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses' faith had its roots in his parents' faith. Moses' parents poured into him, and, and you can see that faith on display here when it's like, okay, the king had given an edict that all the baby Hebrew boys were to be put to death when they were born. Uh, the numbers were growing. They were increasing too much. And so Moses, though, his parents decided, we're going to fear God more than we're going to fear the king's edict. So by faith, they stepped out. And by faith, I mean, in a moment when you know mass murder of kids is taking place to even think about having kids, that has to be a faith moment, doesn't it? It's like, if we know our child could potentially be murdered, why would we even want to conceive and bear a child? But by faith, they chose to do this. And they decided not to let fear motivate them. And I want to say this, this is just in my heart stirring, that the enemy wants to use fear in your life to keep something from even being conceived. He doesn't even want you to think about, dream about a potential promise of God and what he might do through you. The enemy would love to use fear to stop it before it even starts. But by faith, we step out. That example in Moses' parents are going, no, we're gonna, we're gonna conceive and we're gonna have a child. And this faith is what helped them to release Moses after he was born into the Nile River. That faith helped them to really not live in fear, even though they were risking their lives because they hid their son from the Egyptians. Now, really quickly, uh, I, was, I was thinking about that. There may be people in this room that you did not grow up in a household of faith. Is there anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand. 
My wife just raised hers and I know her story, but that's true. I mean, not every one of us had parents like Moses had who were gonna instill the things of faith. I know that Pastor Brenda, I have heard her story. She didn't grow up in a, a family where they went to church every Sunday morning and were living for God. Pastor Sam, I have heard him share his story so many times about how his mother grew up in the largest Muslim nation on the planet in Indonesia and just the atmosphere of that country. But then when he shares the story of even her father or his grandfather who would carry around dirt from the mouth of a corpse just to ward off evil spirits. I mean, it was a spiritually dark environment. That was not the roots of our pastor's family. And it's so important to remember that, but God, God shows up on the scene and he has his way. So. They, uh, his parents ended up, his dad lost his family. There was an allied bombing run uh, in the Netherlands that just blew up all the houseboats on a river. And his dad lost his family. And I remember pastor sharing the story how his dad at 16 raised his hand and, and shook his fist at God and said, I will never serve a God who would allow something like this to happen, but God. So what ends up happening, you know, we were talking about Moses not being an ordinary child. Um, life unfolded and they had a neighbor who was listening to this couple uh, have a little bit less than maybe an ideal marriage. But I think that that man in his seed of faith, he saw that this is no ordinary thing. He may not have known it in the natural, but I believe in the spirit he did. And so he had stepped in and he invited pastor's mom to, he just started ministering, but invited to a Billy Graham crusade and pastor's mom accepted Christ at that crusade. I am just quickly summarizing this story. But then through that seed of faith that was planted in her, they ended up having a Bible study in their home. And at that Bible study, his dad ends up coming to the Lord. And that seed of faith transitioned into them coming to the United States and raising their family here and becoming a family of faith to pour in their kids. If those seeds of faith had not been planted, we wouldn't be here celebrating 16 years with our pastors today. How important it is that we poured these things into our children's soul. That faith of our parents is key, but God, you, you may have not grown up, but never rule out God. I mean, you might be here today and you've never had that spoken into your life. Nobody's ever told you about the love of God, but today those seeds are being planted in you in this room. If you're watching online, those seeds are being planted in you. So we also though, as parents, um, I love this Warren Wiersbe quote, but as parents, we've got to live out our faith and impart it. Again, I was saying we've been exampled uh, by our leaders how to live out our faith. But as parents, we want to raise our kids to know this. So Warren Wiersbe says this, though godly parents cannot pass on their faith as they do family traits, they can certainly create an atmosphere of faith at home and be examples to their children. A home should be the first school of faith for a child. Amen. I know that for, for our home, you know, our prayer for our kids is that they would take their faith farther than us, but we're not gonna make it easy for them. We're not gonna go, we'll live for Jesus as little as possible. 
It's like, we're gonna live sold out for Jesus. We wanna love him with all our soul, all of our heart, our mind, our strength. And what we want you to do, kids, is we want you to take your faith even farther. Stand on our shoulders, take your love for God even farther. But then after that, our prayer continues because now we have grandkids. And it's like, Lord, take that to our grandkids too. Let that seed of faith that gets planted grow and mature and bear fruit. Let it keep going. Let it keep going. And that is the prayer for our family that, that we just want for our kids to live it out. But we need to do this too. Those seeds are planted in us. We need to recognize that we are not ordinary. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not ordinary. Now, hopefully they don't take that the wrong way this morning, all right? What do you mean I'm not ordinary? Well, this is what it means. Um, again, Hebrews eleven twenty three. I read, Moses' parents saw that he was not ordinary. Acts 7, 20 says the same thing. At the time Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. Um, this is important for us. We need to really realize who we are. I am not ordinary. I'm a child of God. And because of that, this is what first Peter says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You have God's seed in you. I have God's seed in me. And this is what I love. We need to cherish that seed. We need to nurture it. We need to water it by listening to the word. We need to pull out weeds if they start growing around it. Um, that seed that God has given us, we need to take care of it. But I would also like to just land on this before I, I hand it off to my next partner up here. But that is this. Grand Rapids First, our leaders have made a huge investment into the next generation. You all are not ordinary in a good way. I read a title to a book called this. It says, could Gen Z be the greatest generation? Could Gen Z be the greatest generation? You all have had a lot of things spoken over you, not all complimentary either, right? You heard things maybe negative about Gen Z, anybody? Yeah? But this is what I say. I say you are not ordinary because if we believe that Jesus could come back anytime soon, you are the generation that is gonna usher in the return of Christ. So there is an anointing on you. There is a calling on you. You are not ordinary and you need to be in these places where on Wednesday nights with Pastor Taylor, young adults on Thursdays over at the Life Center in services to grow that seed of faith because God has a destiny. He has a plan and he has a purpose. And I absolutely believe those words that you could be the greatest generation that this planet has ever known. Amen. Amen. So here we go. I'm getting ready. Pastor Doug, if you would uh, welcome him out to the platform. But remember this, one day that seed is going to bear fruit. Pastor Doug, come on out here. Welcome, Pastor Doug. Thanks, Pastor Tim. He did a great job, didn't he? All right. So Pastor Tim talked about the seed in the leader, and I get to talk about the choice of the leader. So leaders make choices all the time. And one of the choices that I got to make this week was being up here on this platform giving this message. 
uh, when Pastor Sam called and we had a conversation with all of ELT and uh, it was decided that we were going to go forward with it. I thought, okay, I, I can make that choice. I can do that. Uh, in fact, later on that night, as I was processing and thinking through it, I was talking to my son, Corden, and he said, are you nervous? And I said, not right now, I'm not nervous, but if you ask me again Sunday morning, I probably will be a little nervous. And Corden serves as our tech director here, and one of the things he said is, wouldn't it be cool if on Sunday morning we could have all of the church rate ELT's preaching, and then your compensation for the year could be determined on how your rating was. And I said, well, now I'm nervous. I'm really nervous, Gordon. So I know, church, we are blessed with some amazing communicators here, aren't we? We have some incredible communicators. I think Pastor Sam is one of the world's best communicators when it comes to communicating the gospel. We've got Pastor Carrie right up front, and because you get to be up here a whole lot more than I do, for all the Spartans in the house, I'm gonna say go green. All right. So um, we have some great communicators. I know Pastor JP's over here, Pastor Meredith. We have, we are blessed with some incredible communicators. But church, I am asking you for the sake of my compensation, can you lower the bar a little bit? I need you to bring the bar down a little bit because uh, I would not put myself in that same classification. But I'm gonna continue on where Pastor Tim left, up, left off and talk about um, the, chose, the choosing or decisions. And so if you would go to Hebrews 11 verse 25, it starts out and it says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Specifically highlight those words, he chose. And we're gonna talk about the choices of a leader. You know, oftentimes my choices or my decisions are gonna determine my destiny. And choosing is making those decisions. Leaders make decisions all the time. You, like Pastor Tim said, we are all leaders, so you are making decisions all the time. And the decisions that you're making are ultimately determining your decision. Moses made the decision, and the word that was used in the scripture, the word chose, was final. It was not ongoing. He had resolution. Uh, he was resolved in that decision. And sometimes when we make a choice, we can stand on that choice and say, yeah, I, I can make that choice. I don't need to think about it again. I'm not going forward in that. That's easy. But there are times in our lives where we have to make a choice, and we have to keep making that choice. We have to keep deciding. We have to keep uh, thinking through those, those uh, options. And we need to keep determining how those choices are gonna, are, we're gonna act through those choices. You know, watching Pastor Sam and Brenda these past 15 months, one of the things that was so incredible in watching them and talking as close as we could is the decision, the choice that Pastor Sam and Brenda made to be intentional about trusting God. Over and over again, I heard them say this refrain, our hope and faith have not changed because God has not changed. Let me say that again. Our hope and faith have not changed because God has not changed. And by making that decision, not only did Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda determine their destiny, but they in impacted the destiny of Sarah. They impacted the destiny of all of us that were watching them because they know that as leaders, the decisions, the choices that they make impact their destiny and the destiny of those around them. 
And so we have an opportunity, church, as leaders, as people who influence others to make decisions that not only impact our destiny, but impact the destiny of those around us. And sometimes as leaders, we need to be able to grow into our ability to make decisions. We don't just start out as babies with the ability to make the decisions, do we? Pastor Tim talked about verse 23, and in that verse, Moses was a baby, and others made a choice or made a decision for Moses. And then verse 24 goes on to talk about how he grew up, and as uh, a parent who have children, I've watched my children grow up. And as they get older, they're able to make more decisions. They're able to make decisions about what they're going to wear and who they're going to hang out with and ultimately what they want to do with their lives. And then uh, Moses in verse 25 goes on uh, and talks about how he chose. He was, a, he was a grown leader at that point, And he made a definitive decision to choose to follow what was right. And that was God. Personally, I had to make some choices when I uh, finished my undergraduate degree at Grand Valley, I decided to go into vocational ministry, and so I went to seminary. Susan and I uh, went over to seminary to pursue a Master's of Divinity degree, and while I was at seminary, God spoke to me, spoke to both of us, and made it clear that the path that would normally happen after seminary was not the path for us. We knew that going out from seminary was not what God was calling us to do to go into full-time vocational ministry because I knew at that point that my giftings were more in leadership, administration, finances, organization. It wasn't in the preaching, obviously, right? Uh, so I knew that my giftings were more in the administrative side of things, but I also knew that being a young college graduate, I would not get the opportunity to step in a role that would influence other leaders at that time, right? At that point, I still had hair, and you know, I, I, I needed to earn a little wisdom, a little less hair and a little more gray. So I got to the point where God called us into a direction into the business world, and we spent 17 years working in the business world, not knowing ultimately what God's plan was, but we made a decision that impacted our destiny, that we went into the business world. I worked up, I learned leadership, I learned management, I learned accounting, and then in some crazy God-ordained circumstances that can really only be God, I ended up here in this role as an executive pastor in vocational ministry, serving as a CFO, bringing the skills that I learned over those years to be able to serve in this role. And so I'm so thankful that my decisions, my wife and I, the decisions that we made determined our destiny and that they will for you as well. So continuing on with Hebrews 25, um, looking at that verse again, it says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. This, this part I wanna focus on that along with the people of God. You need to make a choice of who you surround yourself with. You need to make a choice of who influences you and who you influence. Moses chose mistreatment along with the people of God. Note it didn't say along with the people of Israel. He said, along with the people of God. Moses was not just identifying with Israel because of nationality or race. He was identifying with Israel because they were the people of God. And they were, there was a spiritual identification that Moses chose to surround himself with the people of God. 
One of the most impactful ministries launched this past year, and it's called City Serve Michigan. And under Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda's leadership, this ministry has had such a powerful impact in helping and reaching in others. And unfortunately, I just don't have the time today to go into the details of what City Serve Michigan is and how it works. But there's a website up on the screen that you can find out more information or talk to myself or Pastor Eric or Troy Williams. We can talk to you more about City Serve. Um, but what I wanted to talk to you about and why I wanted to highlight CityServe is as Pastor Sam heard about this and shared it with the executive team, the part that resonated so much to Pastor Sam was the opportunity for this ministry to break down walls between churches that we were able to link arms together with the other people of God, not just the people of Grand Rapids first. We weren't just gonna focus on our people here, but it was an opportunity to link arms with other churches, regardless of denomination, regardless of size, regardless of um, uh, makeup of that church. And we are gonna be able to together go after the hurting, those in need, those that are lost. And we are gonna be able to be an example of the big C church, not just Grand Rapids First Church. And isn't that just an incredible opportunity? You know, and some churches would look at this and just say, hey, this is great, and I look forward to doing and linking arms with other churches across the city, across the state, but really, why don't we draw like a five-mile radius around Grand Rapids first and keep any other church around this five-mile out of CityServe? But that has not been Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda's heart. In fact, we have a church that is right across our parking lot. Their property touches our property across the parking lot. Uh, True Life Bible Church and their pastor, uh, Pastor Todd Ponstein, right? Uh, pastor Todd Ponstein has gone through the orientation and that church is going to be a pod church for CityServe Michigan and is going to use the products that this church has resourced and provided to bless their community. And it's the same community that we're in and it's all right. And that's what Pastor Sam has said and that's what Moses did when he linked arms with God's people. It's not just about nationality. It's not just about uh, our people. It's about God's people. The next section is Hebrews 11, 25 through, and we're gonna go into the first part of 26, and it talks about he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. You know, sometimes church, we need to choose between what is good and what is best for us. That word regard is to consider, to think about, to process. And verse 25 talks about the pleasures of sin. Sin can be fun, but its season is short. And we've all heard us, the message preached many times talking about the wages of sin are death. And I, I know that we know that, so I'm not gonna go into that for, for today. But I'm gonna talk for a second just about the treasures of the world. The treasures of the world can be good things. But if they become our, our priority, they can take our focus away from God. And there are three primary temptations that the world offers. The first one is power, and then there's pleasure, and then there's wealth. So power talks about influence. It talks about, as leaders, who do I have the ability to influence? Who do I, what is my position? 
Um, I know sometimes uh, what some of the next generation deal with is how many followers do I have? How much influence am I having? So that power temptation can be out there. The second one is pleasure. We all like to have fun. We like to laugh. We, we enjoy happiness. I can't tell you that there's anything, I'm looking at John and Andrea right here, taking your kid to Disney World is fun. Uh, and it's, that's a good thing. It's joyous to be able to do things like that. And then the third temptation is wealth, money, material, stuff using that temptation to make, to get more, to focus on what do I have and, and I need more of it. That can be really a challenge and it can draw our attention away from what God wants us to do and cause us to focus on instead what the world is about. And so we need to be aware of those three temptations, the power, the pleasure, the wealth. And in this passage and, and in Moses' life, he had access to all of these. He had the power as the heir to one of the most powerful thrones at all time. He had the access to pleasure as the palace could afford him any and every pleasure. And at that time, Egypt had most of the wealth in the world. And so he had access to all of it. But he, as the scripture told us, regarded disgrace of greater value than the treasures of Egypt tells us that Moses walked away from all of it. He walked away from all of it, and you may ask why. I know sometimes the world asks why, because he knows the treasures would not last. He knew God's eternal purpose was more important than earthly pleasure. And when you say yes to God, it means you need to say no to certain other things. This can be one of the hardest lessons to learn. Uh, one more quick highlight of some of the amazing things that are happening here at Grand Rapids First, we have an incredible Bible college in North Point Bible College. Am I right? So North Point Bible College, we're so blessed by Pastor Sam, Pastor JP, Dr. Brian, and, and all of the individuals that help lead that college. And through that college, we're able to have interns serve here at Grand Rapids First. And usually on the first, time, first week that the interns are serving, Pastor Sam will take time to, and do an orientation with those interns. And he goes over what he refers to as Pastor Sam's Beatitudes of serving at Grand Rapids First. And they're excellent. I won't take all his thunder because he may use them sometime, but I am I'm going to pull a nugget out and share it with you. One of the things Pastor Sam talks about in those Beatitudes is be a representative. Be a representative. You need to be a representative not only of Grand Rapids first in your role, but you're also a representative of Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda in your leadership. And ultimately, we're all representatives of Jesus Christ. And part of that discussion and that beatitude goes on to talk about the higher you go in leadership, the less freedoms you are going to have. The less you're going to be able to take and enjoy the things of the world because you want to have a more significant impact. And while the things of the world, not all of them are sinful and not all of them are bad, but abstaining from them um, could help somebody who has a stumbling block or or works to treasure something above God. And so for those interns and for all of us that serve with Pastor Sam, we have said no to certain things so that we can have a greater influence, that we cannot be a stumbling block. And so I encourage all of us, church, to be a representative, to think about being that representative for Jesus Christ. Who are you influencing and how are you influencing them? 
And then the last choice of a leader that I want to cover today brings us back to Hebrews 11:26, and it says, "He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, focusing on that for the sake of Christ. And in that church, we need to choose to identify with Christ no matter the consequences. As Christians, we do not merely refuse identification with the world, but we also must choose identification with Christ. That's what the word Christian means. It means a Christ one, one who follows after or identifies with Christ. The Christian recognizes that saying yes to Christ entails saying no to the world. You cannot have it both ways. In the same way that Moses knew he could not identify with both Egypt and Israel, he had to make a choice. He couldn't straddle the fence. He could not have one foot in Egypt and one foot in Israel. No, he had to place both feet firmly with God's people or not at all. And you know what, church, about 1,400 years later, Jesus faced the same choice. He was offered temporal security and blessing if he would turn from God for his suffering and worship the devil instead. Luke 4 talks about that. But as we know, church, Jesus avoided the fleeting pleasures of sin by faith and in doing so became the one who could suffer in order to redeem his people. He could redeem me, he could redeem you, he could redeem all of us. And I'm so thankful for that church, aren't you? And so with that, leadership matters. And these are the choices that leaders need to make at times. Like, just to summarize, you need to recognize that your decisions determine your destiny. You need to make a choice of who you surround yourself with. You need to choose between what is good and what is best. And are you going to choose to identify with Christ no matter the consequences? So church... Thank you. I want to welcome our latest member of the executive leadership team, Pastor Drew McElhaney. He's going to come out and clean up all this mess that Pastor Tim and I started. Well, how many know leadership matters? I mean, leadership matters. And I have the honor today of uh, taking on the final point. Pastor, as you'd say, we're bringing the plane in for a landing. And uh, today we've talked about, as Pastor Tim talked about, the seed in the leader. And we talked about, as Pastor Doug just went through, the choice of the leader. And here's the last point. If you're taking notes, you can write this third one down, the vision of the leader. And so we've looked how God shaped history, uh, the history of Moses through the seed he entrusted to his parents, right? And, and how Moses made choices that would align himself uh, with God's call. We just read here in Hebrews eleven twenty six, and I want to come back to this verse here, and I want to look at the second half of it. So here we go. Hebrews eleven twenty six. you'll see it on the screen. It says, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Now listen to this. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. You know, so many want to live in the here and now, instead of living in the then and there. And you know, Moses had eyes of faith and you know, that could look right past the obstacles. I mean, just think about it for a second. He looked past disgrace of giving up a palace to identify with a nation of slaves. 
He looked past his murder of an Egyptian slave master who was abusing Israelite slaves. He looked past his own insecurities, his ability to speak and articulate. He looked past doubts about his calling when he stood before the burning bush. He looked past the threats of Pharaoh and the entire Egyptian army who would chase them out to the Red Sea. Moses looked past all the obstacles, all the barricades, and all the tremendous cost to him personally because he saw the reward. He, saw, he looked ahead and he saw the reward of following God. Instead of seeing a disorganized band of slaves, he saw an army that could overcome giants and take the promised land. Instead of seeing a nation in bondage, he saw a nation of kings and priests. Instead of seeing them confined in a place of pain and suffering, he saw them freed in a land flowing with milk and honey. And we need to look past the obstacles that the enemy puts in front of us and look at the victory that God has placed before us. Because let me tell you something, the reward that God has on the other side of the obstacle is greater. I mean, it is infinitely greater than the pain and the problems to get there. We need a vision of a reward so great, it shrinks mountains into molehills. Can I get a witness this morning? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this. It says that our eyes have not seen, nor our ears have heard, nor can we even imagine all that God has prepared for those who love him. Hebrews 12, verses two through three. Let's look at this verse. You'll see it on the screens. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. Who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Moses had eyes of faith, enabling him to look past the problems and focus on the promises. Today, what are you looking at? And what are your eyes focused on? Are you looking at the size of the giant in front of you, just feeling like a grasshopper? Are you looking at the size of your God and holding on to him? Pastor Sam, Pastor Brenda, I guarantee that everything on your journey of faith, it was probably not a bed of roses <laughs> all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a perfect church and uh, we are perfect people, obviously. <laughs> what I'm saying is there just, there might've been some road bumps. There might've been some speed bumps along the way. And, how many know, listen, you don't pastor for 16 years and threaten uh, the devil's territory and make kingdom advances without Satan pushing back. And Pastor Sam, Pastor Brenda, thank you just for your honesty and just walking us through. And, and, and Pastor Sam, your message this last Sunday, just amazing. Just, just amazing, the purpose of suffering. And you, just like every believer, just like Moses, you know what it is to battle the devil and everything he throws at you, but your vision over the last 16 years has brought incredible rewards, incredible rewards. And today we're celebrating the triumph of 16 years of your faithful journey here at Grand Rapids First. Church, let me share with you a few ways the vision has advanced the cause of Christ. Listen to this. 
From 2006 to 2021, under Pastor Sam's leadership, Grand Rapids First has seen, listen to this, 12,294 recorded salvations. That's just the ones we know about. It, we weren't able to capture all the stats from your first couple of years, but listen to this, 2007 to 2021, our church has seen 1,863 water baptisms. I mean, brand new babies in the faith. I mean, speaking of babies, just think about all the babies that you baptized or all the babies you dedicated. And just think of this, you're gonna be here long enough that you're gonna dedicate the babies of those babies, right? I we are blessed, church. I think about the support for the missions and the missionaries. You know, you all heard, but this past year, over $1.5 million given to missions just this past year. Just imagine what that looked like, the millions over the 16 years that you've served here. In church, the list of rewards, I mean, they could just go on and on and on. But I think, can we just give God praise? Can we thank him and give him adoration for all that he's done through the gift of Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda? God is good and he's moving and he's working. And our best days are still to come. Our best days are still to come. Jesus, we thank you. We adore you, Father. We praise your name. God, we thank you in advance for what you're gonna do. You are good. Jesus, you are good. You can be seated. You know, let me tell you, church, it's only begun. Pastors Sam and Brenda, I know that they have not put the vision on pause. They have not. If, if they, it's not even on play. They got it on fast forward. And you know, here's why. Because what they do is they keep going through seasons and they go, all right, God, what do you have next? Pastor, I think about what you shared this past week with Studio 33.3, that through the Sarah J. Reifkokel Foundation, a studio will be created to empower leaders to put out the highest quality of music and sing a new song unto the Lord. And I'm so excited about it. Pastors, I'm believing with you that through these songs that are gonna come out of this studio, I believe that it is going to start even yet another greater move of God across this nation and across this world. Church, you better believe we aren't slowing down. Our pastors, they're pushing the pedal down. They're looking ahead to all that God has and pressing toward the mark of the high call of God. But for a second, would you allow the Holy Spirit just to shine his light on you for just a moment? What is God revealing in you? What are you living for? Can you, can you write it down and sign God's name to it? Listen, you need to hear this today. A vision is not just for pastors and prophets. No, 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 you need to, you need to really grasp what I'm saying. The vision God's vision is for each one of you individually. God has put a vision inside of you. And when God reveals to you, what God reveals to you, it has the highest, the greatest value, but you have to reach out and grab it. It has no value if it just sits on the shelf. Reach out for it. You know, it's easier just to live in the here and now. And I think some people even get comfortable with just living in the way back then. But God is calling you like Moses to 
to look ahead to the reward. Your greatest days, church, is still ahead. Those who look to God, listen, they will lead for God. You may be a businessman or woman. You may be going to school. You may work at a restaurant. You may be on an assembly line. But listen, God has called you to lead someone. And it's our job to find out what is God revealing in us and align our investments, align our choices with his vision. Listen, Satan will always try and destroy your vision as leader. Pastor Tim just talked about that. And you'll find he tries to even do it right in the infancy of the vision. I think about Moses' parents nourished the seed that God gave when they put Moses into the river by faith. And Satan would have loved nothing more than to see that vision destroyed. Let me tell you, but God's vision for you will not be destroyed when you reach for it and you carry it out. And pastor, you showed us last week that along the journey, you'll find obstacles and you'll find mountains. Here's what Jesus said though in John 16, In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Listen, there may be giants that stand in your way, but when they do, you remember who it was. You remember who it was that gave you the vision.